Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. As many of you would know, uh, last year we went to America as a family. We did the Griswolds trip and we travelled across America and we had a great time everywhere we went. But if you were to ask us what is our highlight or what was our highlight of that particular trip, uh, it's hard to go past Hawaii, I've got to be honest. Uh, being in Hawaii was pretty cool. But can I just say, and this may surprise some of you, for me, New York City was an absolute highlight. And I think I speak on behalf of my family. New York City is just amazing. It's just so big and so vast and so full of concrete. And uh, I, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved that city. It was vibey. It's a city that does not sleep. We had an incredible time. But I remember one particular day, we got into a building, the Rockefeller Center, and we went to the top, the top of the rock. That's what it's called. And there you get this incredible panoramic view of the city of New York. It was amazing. And what you need to know about that particular building, it was erected and named after uh, John D. Rockefeller. And John D. Rockefeller uh, was an incredibly wealthy man, but on his 54th birthday, he received news that he had a condition, and this condition uh, meant hair loss all over his body, and it was pronounced that by his 55th birthday, he would actually... uh, no longer be around. He had a death sentence over his life because of this crippling disease. And as a wealthy man, he made a decision. Everyone say decision. Because this is really important. He made a decision that uh, he couldn't take his money with him. And so he was going to try to give as much of it away. And he lived by the John Wesley uh, mantra, to gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And he began to do that. And he ended up giving over 60% of all his uh, wealth away and funded cures for tuberculosis, diphtheria, and polio. But here's the amazing thing. In his generosity, there was a work in his body taking place and he actually saw his 55th birthday. He saw his 56th birthday. He saw his 60th birthday. He even saw his three score year and 10 birthday, which is 70 for those of you who don't know what that is. He went past 70. He even went past 80. He even saw his 90th birthday and it was actually at the age of 94 years old that he passed away. That's an amazing thing that this generous man was able to regenerate something within him and able to bring a cure and healing to his body as a result of being generous. I'm telling you, generosity is powerful, but generosity is not just an act, it's a spirit. Generosity is a spirit. It's a spirit that affects our thinking. It's a spirit that affects our decisions. It's a spirit that affects everything about our lives. Generosity is not measured by the amount given, but by our attitude. Everyone say attitude. Generosity isn't proven in a single act. So you may give uh, a large amount of money or you may do one random act of kindness. That does not make you a generous person. That just means you did one act. I'm talking about a spirit that so invades our life that generosity becomes a lifestyle. And we've themed this whole month of June, Generous June. I want us to be uh, uh, reignited in our passion for being generous. God is the most generous uh, person that ever walked this earth. He walked this earth in the form of Jesus Christ and He gave not just 10%. He gave everything that He had. Jesus even gave of His life. He was generous to the core and it was a spirit that lived within Him. Him and I want that spirit to live within you and I. And I want to say thank you for those that are being generous. Thank you for those uh, that are continuing to be generous. But I know that this is a this is a uh, a message. This is a theme. This is a subject that we need to continually have massaged into our lives so that we go from strength to strength in regards to this particular area. There is great power in a generous spirit. And I wanna talk a few things this morning by way of introduction about generosity, and then we'll get into the specifics of what I wanna talk about this morning. So we have themed June, generous June. Everyone say generous June. 
That's the buzzword, hashtag everything generous June for this particular month. That would be great on Instagram and all those forms of social media. Not that you're on them right now because you're listening to me, you're leaning in and you're giving me a yes and a hearty amen. Yeah. So number one, uh, generosity will make you inwardly wealthy and healthy. And we've already seen that with John D. Rockefeller's life. But in Proverbs 11, verse 25, I will be speaking very quick because I've got lots to get through this morning. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The New King James Version says, a generous soul will be made rich. In other words, our internal world can become rich. Our mind, our will, our emotions can be made rich by being generous. Let me explain it this way. Have you ever done an act of kindness to anybody? Have you ever done something good and then as a result felt good? That's good. That's what I'm talking about. Internally, on the inside, you start feeling good about yourself. You start feeling good about others. You start feeling good about life because you're doing good. You're being generous. Generosity will make you inwardly wealthy and healthy. Number two, generosity transforms the way you see things. In Proverbs 22 verse 9, it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. A generous eye means that we see things differently, that we have a different perspective on life. Generous people are generally optimistic people. Stingy people, selfish people are generally negative people. I believe generosity will change the way we see things. And so when we have a problem, when we see something that's not quite going right, generosity, I've been put here to fix this problem. This might be a problem, but that's why I'm here. You and I are like superheroes having our moment in times of need to be able to help people. That's why we exist. Remember Esther? Esther was an Old Testament character that found herself in the king's house. She was beautiful, but she was beautiful by design. God created her a certain way to live in a certain time. And she enjoyed the luxuries of the palace. But her people, the Jewish nation, were under threat because of a man by the name of Haman. And it was Mordecai that came alongside Esther, her uncle, and said, hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe all this uh, prancing around the palace, all this prim and proper behaviour, all this perfume and all this makeup and all these niceties, maybe it's not just about you. Maybe it's not just about you being a beautiful woman. Maybe your beauty has a purpose attached to it. Maybe you were put in this royal position for such a time as this, not just to help yourself, but also to help others. And Esther's eyes were transformed. And so she does an incredible thing. She puts her life on the line. She wasn't just giving something of herself. She gave all of herself. You see, you had to be called into the king's chambers. You couldn't just rock up. Just to rock up to the king's chambers would mean death. It was a death sentence to say, excuse me, king. Uh, I want an appointment. But Esther, through prayer and fasting, and having prayed and fasted and waited upon God for three days, she built up the courage in God to be able to go to the king. And the king extended the scepter to her. She was able to come before the king and she was able to present a request which led to the demise of her opposition and the safety and the um, well-being of a nation. Her eyes were transformed. I tell you, generosity is going to transform the way you see things. We are not to be like those that are living under the circumstances. I said this in chapel this morning. One of the questions I ask, and it's almost, you know, uh, by design, as a pastor, you, you, you find yourself asking this question all the time. Hey, how are you doing? And as that comes out of my mouth, I almost go into dread mode. Because I know more often than not, the answer is going to be, well, pastor, I'm glad you asked. Because under the circumstances, under the situation, considering the bad weather, considering my marriage, considering my husband, considering the kids we have, (laughs) considering my income. But, But I was brought up on a Bible that says we are not under any of those things. We are not under circumstance. We are not under situation. Yes, we have to face them, but we're not under them. We're seated with Christ in heavenly realms and all things are in place under our feet. And we need to be able to walk tall. 
and be able to say, you know what? Things have been better, but watch this space. Watch this space. Uh, how we see things is dependent upon whether we are generous or stingy. You know, I believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come. I really do believe that I have not seen my best days and I don't believe you have. I don't believe this church has. I believe our best is yet to come. But there's an equal truth. Your worst days are ahead of you too. That's equally true. You know, and what you choose to focus on is where you're going to live. Where you're going to live. Seriously, some of our bleakest days are ahead. That doesn't promote much hope. It doesn't promote much joy. But generous spirit will change the way you see. So yeah, I'm aware that we've got some dark days ahead, but I wanna tell you, even in the dark days, my best days are ahead. Because in my dark days, I'm gonna learn some things about myself. I'm gonna learn some things about others. God's gonna give me an opportunity to put the Word of God into practice. Hey, it's easy to love your friends, but man, loving your enemies, uh, He's gonna give me that opportunity. And so even on a dark day, a dark day can be a good day. And this is what we call the win-win scenario. So you take a bad situation and you turn it around for good. And then you get a good day and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And there are others with stingy spirits that uh, grab a hold of the dark guns and I knew this was coming. And, and even when it's good, there's an yeah, but it won't last. And they, that's what we call a lose-lose. They don't enjoy anything. Oh yeah, it's good now, but you watch, you know, man, what a great day. Summer with them, yeah, but winter's coming. Game of Thrones, winter is coming. I mean, come on. I, I was told that. I've never seen. Anyway, um, number three, generous, generosity enables you to rule. Proverbs 22, verse seven, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is server, servant sorry, to the lender. In other words, generosity allows us to rule in our world through our giving. And this isn't just talking about finances. This is talking about us getting up a hand, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are dealing with. You know what? You might have some enemies out there, like the great theologian Taylor Swift once said and sung about, haters going to hate, 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 hate. I mean... She's right, haters gonna hate. Can't stop that. And we get worried and we get bitter and we get twisted that somebody doesn't like me. Get used to it. Not everyone's gonna like you. Not everyone's gonna like what you wear. Not everyone's gonna like what you do. Not everyone's gonna like what you say. Haters are gonna hate. But you don't have to live under that. You can rule in your circumstance. You can rule when there are haters in your life and haters in your world. You can rule. And the way we rule is by giving. That's where we get the word for giving from. We can just forgive. We can just give love. We can give something in an opposite spirit. If someone wants to say negative about us, we don't have to respond negatively. We can just respond positively. You know, one of the things when you're in leadership is this, and, and you could ask the Prime Minister, he would agree with me. When you're in leadership, it's never a fair fight. Because in leadership, you have perspectives that others don't have. And uh, you don't get to share that perspective because you're too busy leading. And so as a pastor of a church, it's never a fair fight because people can say things about me, but I'm not going to say it back. You might get to hear somebody's story, but you're not going to hear mine because that's not leading. Whinging and complaining and, and gossiping He's not leading. And so it's never a fair fight. And so I decided a long time ago, most people are never going to hear my side of the story. Most people are never going to get my perspective. And so you know what? The only way I can rule and reign in life is not by telling my side of the story, but it's just loving and just forgiving and just having a great attitude and just loving on people. And if we see them in the shops, it's a hello and they might run away from me, but it's a, a, whatever. And if they come back to church because they want to be back in church, we love on them. That's how we rule. It's got nothing to do with my bank balance. It's got nothing to do with my address. You might say, oh, it's all right for you. You live here. I only live there. It doesn't matter. Any one of us can do this because it's a spirit and it's an attitude. It's not a bank balance and it's not an address. 
And number four, generosity will bring a good return. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, remember this. I think that's amazing. In other words, you'll probably forget. So the Holy Spirit inspired word says, please remember this. In the book of the Revelation, uh, you don't see remember this too much. This is, this is life skill 101. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And what you need to know about this principle of sowing and reaping, it's not a New Testament principle. It's not an Old Testament principle. It's an eternal principle. It's not even a Christian principle. It's just a principle. It's an eternal principle like gravity. You know, you don't have to be a believer in gravity to suffer the effects of gravity. You know, if I, if I had someone who wasn't part of this church and wasn't a Christian uh, and uh, you know, came to the edge of this stage and said, I don't believe in what you believe and I don't believe in gravity, that's cool. But I would just simply say, hey, why don't you um, just step over the edge of this stage and see whether you go up or down. So it doesn't matter what you believe when it comes to these eternal principles. They just are. And you say, I don't believe, I don't believe. Ah! And you've got to find out, it doesn't matter what you believe, certain things are going to happen. They're just going to happen. And so it is with reaping and sowing. The Bible says if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And this principle works for Christians and non-Christians. I know many non-Christians who just so generously, they are just so generous and they reap generosity. And I know Christians who are so tight-fisted, so small-minded, so stingy that they don't give you anything and they reap stinginess. And then they complain. And then they wonder why it's okay for you. The next time you find yourself saying to someone, it's all right for you, stop yourself, arrest yourself and ask yourself, why is it all right for them? Let's not just look at the what. Let's not just look at the outcome. Let's look at the process. Because people who you think it's all right for, there's a reason. And I wanna tell you, for those ones, generally speaking, it's because there's a spirit of generosity in play. They're gonna give when others hold on to. Generosity brings a generous return. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, reading from the message, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Do you want a larger life? Do you want a larger marriage? Do you want a larger income? Or do you want smaller? The Bible says, that it's the generous that the world gets larger and larger for. And so here we are in generous June. And during this month, we want to target certain areas that we can grow our generosity. This is not just a money grab. This is, this is a holistic approach to us becoming more generous. And today, I want to look at being generous with our words. We're going to look at being generous with our work, generous with our worship, and generous with our wealth. But today, we want to look at being generous with our words. What we say is really, really important. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, are you with me? Yeah. Uh, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. A couple of things about words words are powerful. Words are powerful. This whole world that we see was created with the Word. God spoke and what He spoke came to be. God shaped and God created this word, a world with His Word. He said, let there be light and bam, there was light. This was not a wrestle. This was not a struggle. God was not made. He just spoke the Word and things existed. Things were created. He said, let there be land and there was land. Let there be sea and there was sea. And then He created all the creatures. He said, let there be a creature with long legs, small spotted body, long neck, little head, long tongue. And He let Adam call that creature Ben. No, giraffe. <laughs> 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 
And Adam had a lot of fun naming all these incredible creatures, this short-legged, fat, kind of big mouth. Who am I talking about now? And he called it hippopotamus. Uh, and all these different varieties. And, and then the, the ladies are going to love this. You know, he said, I'm going to have these little creatures, eight legs, running around, frightening the life out of people. And Adam called them spiders. And then with those little annoying insects that fly around on a hot balmy night going zzz, zzz. You know when you're in bed trying to get to sleep and it's like a, it's like a I, don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's God just having fun with us, looking up at heaven and lying down watches all these little insects, these little things that were named mosquitoes. They get into your ear and how loud is that? <laughs> just like, ah! And all that was spoken into existence. God created this world with His words. And can I say, you're going to shape your world with your words. What you say is ultimately going to shape your world. Whether your world is a good world, a happy world, a generous world, it's going to largely come down to what you say about your world. Because words are powerful. Your tongue has power. It has power to bring life, and death. You have the power to bring life to a situation. You may be in a row, as we were worshipping, and you look along the road, and no one, death. (laughs) And you have an opportunity with your tongue to bring life or death. When when we're worshipping and you look along the road, the music's loud, isn't it? Death. Death. Ah, where's all the older people, all young people up on stage? Death. Or you can bring life and say, man, I didn't even know this song, but I like it. Wow, life. You have the power. You have the power of life and death and it's found in your tongue. And the Bible says the fruit of your tongue will be seen in what you love. Ultimately, the fruit of your life will be seen in what you love. I had an uncle, and uh, I never forget, I, I visited him once, and uh, he said to me, as we were sitting around a table talking, he said, you know, Tony, I love a good worry. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. He said, I love a good worry. And I was 19 years of age at the time, and I sat there, I didn't even get, I'm like, what? <laughs> he loves a good worry. And guess what? His life consisted of lots of good worrying. Because that's what he loved. And that's what his life produced. I don't know if that's you right now, but if you love a good worry, we're going to pray for you after and deliver you of that thing. Because that's not normal. I love a good worry. But, but I know a lot of people, if they're honest, they love a good whinge. You're not going to say it because you're Christians, but you do. You love it. And this is why I know you love it. Because when you get a sniff of it, you just say, hey, what's going on? What, what? What? If you find yourself getting in, you see two people talking and you know that they're gossips and you find yourself going over there. You're like a bloodhound. Like a shark in the water, you sense blood. You don't know whose blood it is, but you're going to find out. See, we've got to deal with our Christianity. Yeah, you know, sorry, I couldn't help but overhear you, and, and I appreciate you telling me a little bit more information, only so I can pray about it. We may fool certain people, we're not fooling God. P.S. We're not fooling most people either, and we're certainly not fooling the people we're trying to reach. These are the attitudes, these are the things that those that are far from God see. There are people that aren't in church today that want something more than they're presently experiencing, but they don't see it in the church because they see all these sharks sniffing blood in the water and finding something to gossip about. You know, I'm trusting that through this month, God, through His Holy Spirit, will speak to us about what we love. And I think we're going to find some of the things we love are very unhealthy. You know, it's like donuts. Very few people hate donuts, but they're not the healthiest thing. I'm just, it's just newsflash, sorry to burst your bubble, but not the healthiest things to be consuming regularly on a daily basis. I mean, okay for a bit of a whatever, but 
we, we need to ask ourselves, what do we love? What do we love? What do we love? And if you find that you're always in the middle of certain gossip and conversations, you got to ask yourself, about, what is it about me that you feel so comfortable telling me all this stuff? One thing I, I really appreciate about this church over the years, we seem to be the church that find, is the last to find out anything. Because I think there's words out there that if you, if you talk to Tony at that level, uh, it won't go well for you. I don't want to be known as a gossip. I don't want to be one who's known uh, uh, for a healthy like of unhealthy things. And I don't want that to flow in this church. I don't want that to become part of our house, part of our DNA. Our words are powerful. And the fruit of our words are seen in the fruit of our lives. And so I'm trusting and praying the Holy Spirit's going to arrest us. Next time we go over there, think, oh my gosh, this is I'm praying and believing. I'm one of them. I pray that many of us would have a, oh my gosh, I'm one of them people. It's okay to watch The Simpsons and, and see the reverend and his wife, how she's behaving and say, oh, the... How, much, how many of us are like that? That's what we want to get to the heart of during this particular series. And so words are powerful. And when it comes to our words, we have to make a choice. We can either be, bring life or bring death. And we have to make a choice. Can I just say, stop hoping, stop dreaming, stop wishing. Just make a choice. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to stop that. Don't say, God, take it away. Just, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. And the other thing about words is words are free, which is fantastic because you don't have to have a big bank account. You don't have to have the best house to put this message into practice. Our words are powerful. It's not going to cost us anything to start speaking kind words that bring life into our circumstance and situation. And so having said all that, let me bring us to the things I want to talk about this morning, and that is being generous with our words and the areas. It's real simple. It's real simple. Don't critique my simplicity. Ask yourself, how much are we actually doing this? I don't think I'm going to share too much that you don't know. I want to share what is it that we're doing. And so I've got five things I want to get through real quickly that the generosity will be seen in our words when, number one, we acknowledge one another. When we acknowledge one another. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 24 is an amazing scripture to me because it says this. It says from the message, say hello to your pastoral leaders. The emphasis is on the congregation to say hello to the leadership, not wait for the leadership to try and catch up with everyone so you develop a bad attitude because the pastor didn't say hello to you. We've had people leave the church over this stuff. He never said hello to me. He has a favourite. Of course I do. You know that. I've told you. It just changes every week. My favourite is the person I'm talking to at the time. There you go. I love people. You're all my favourites. God doesn't have favourites. God loves all of us. He loves all of us. I want you to know that. And so it's your, it's your onus, it's the onus is on you to come. And if you don't because I was busy and if you don't because of something, that's fine. But don't develop a bad attitude. Because it goes on to say, not only the pastoral staff, but also all of the congregation. And that's why we've worked hard at developing a culture that hangs after the service. Church is not a place that you attend. It's a place where community is created. And you don't create community by singing a few songs, uh, listening to a message and staring at the back of somebody's head because that's what you're all doing right now. You're staring at the back of somebody's head with the exception of those that are on the front row who are staring at me. <laughs> but seriously, it's, it's going to take more than that to create the culture and the community that we desire. Are you with me this morning? And so welcome one another. Don't say nobody welcomes me. If you want friends, be friendly. Some people say, I've got no friends. They're so unfriendly. This, you, you, I'm sorry, you cannot come to victory and accuse us of not being friendly. You can accuse us of a lot of things, but not that one. There's a lot of things that we can be accused of, but I draw the line at not friendly. No way, no way, no way. Come on, are you kidding me? If you can't find friends in this place, I'm telling you, start looking in the mirror. Because this place 
is a friendly environment. Amen. So welcome one another. When it comes to picking up your kids from Victory Kids today, instead of just walking in there, grabbing your kids, signing off, and can I just say acknowledge the person that was looking after your children, uh, serving them, taking them to the toilet, maybe wiping up the mess that they missed the bowl. That's what happens. We've got people who are volunteering, not being paid. And it's our kids. It's our kids that are missing the bowl. It's our kids that are finding themselves standing in the toilet. And they're doing that. And, and our volunteers have to go, oh my God. Just like. And they do it week after week after week. And we go in there. Come on, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. We've got to go. We've got to go. And we go. Kids workers with poo on their hands and a smile on their face and we can't even acknowledge them. Are you kidding me? Come on. They are heroes. We've got to look after them. So I want you, when you pick up your kids today, look at them. Acknowledge them. Say thank you. No, really, thank you. Acknowledge them. When you go through drive through Seriously, I know it can be frustrating when you speak into that red little box. So make sure order, please. And say, I have a Big Mac, fries, and a Coke. Sorry, I can't hear you repeat that. I want a big. And by the time you've got your message across, you're so mad, you're shouting, you're stupid. Is that just me? Oh, sorry. And by the time you get round to the window where there's an actual person, you treat them like the thing. Can I have my order, please? Like, can I say, let's be kinder. They tell me that kind is the new black. Can, 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 we, can we acknowledge these ones? Found ourselves in Macca's the other day for our kids. And these girls were doing such a great job. We were scared them when we just complimented them. He's not expecting it. See, here's a great thing. The world is so dark and so selfish and so rude for the most part. All we've got to do is start being kind. Don't say, tell me more. What is this new teaching? Well, actually, I learned it in the Bible. Oh, I've got to go, I've got to go. Are there other kind people there? See, we don't have to do much. You don't have to be a theologian to win your family and friends. You just got to acknowledge people. And here's the problem. We live in a technologically advanced world and we live like this. Do you know in Asia, they don't just have bike lanes now, they have mobile phone lanes where people are just walking. Just, just all the guys walk here so they don't bump into each other. It's horrible. Has anyone ever been in a shopping mall and on their phone, on their device and walked into a wall? Anybody? Please say yes, because I will feel very normal if somebody here. Anybody, please give me one hand. One hand. I'll take that half a hand. I'll take that. I, I, never, I was at the plaza, and it wasn't that long ago, and I was just looking at my phone, and I kid you not, I got the fright of my life. I walked straight into a wall. And I was so indignant. I was so in the moment. I was ready to throttle whoever walked into me. What's, it? What's your problem? Oh, it's a wall. And I felt God arrest me. What are you doing? Did I start looking around for cameras? Like, started, oh my gosh, what have I become? And I'm not a massive device guy. That's the weird thing. So come on, let's be honest. Whoever has done that, maybe I'm not on it enough to get used to it. Maybe there's a trick to it. There's like one eye down. I don't know. But seriously. Uh, can I just say this? Can we, can we make a commitment? When we're ordering food, when we're buying a product of any sort, and your phone rings, ignore it. Because yeah. the person you're with is more important than someone who's trying to call you. Yeah, yeah, Seriously. <laughs> Nothing worse than, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we're getting antsy with the person who's... <laughs> Seriously. Christianity's not hard. It's just not. I can tell you what, you can make any store person's day by acknowledging them, looking them in the eye and just saying, please, 
thank you, have a good day. Those three things. These are things we drummed into our kids when they were young. We used to have the Rainbow, family, uh, the Rainbow Ten Commandments, which changed probably every 18 months. They were age-specific commandments, and some of them are very basic. You know, um, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt uh, not commit adultery, and all that kind of stuff. When you're, when you're at like four, it's kind of like, what? <laughs> and I, I didn't fancy explaining that to my four-year-old, so I made age-appropriate Ten Commandments, but the number one commandment says, thou shalt look at somebody when they speak to them. And for Mitchie, he had special ones. He had like a list of 20. Thou shalt not stamp their feet. <laughs> and so whenever he's stamping feet, I walk into the fridge. What's commandment number two say? Thou shalt not stamp their feet. Seriously, we said, use your God words. Thou shalt use our God words. What are God words? Please and thank you. Yeah. Not the magic words. Use a magic word. What's a magic word? Abracadabra. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I was taught. <laughs> What's, say, what's the magic word? Honestly, I'm sorry if I'm making your parenting a little bit harder this morning, but you start using language like that, you do ask for what you get. What's the magic word, Johnny? Abracadabra. Alakazam? I don't know. God words. Please. Thank you. Look at them. It's respect. Yeah? Are we there? Good. Uh, we're running out of time. Can we just stop the clock? Wow. Um, I'm up to number two. How many of us have got five? Wow. Wow. It's good though, huh? I'm being very generous. You're getting more than that's in my notes. I'm being generous. That's what it is. If you say thank you and say please. <laughs> have a nice day. Stay. Stay. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. All right. Um, okay. How do I finish this? Um, Get the band up here. I'm going to whistle these. Got to encourage one another. Got to encourage one another. There's a scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. Create that can-do atmosphere. I thank God for the upbringing of my home. You know, my dad used to grab me as a young boy, and he saw potential in me. He used to grab my arms. I'll never forget. We'd be wrestling and say, "Gee, you're so strong," and he'd be, you know, kind of letting me win. And he grabbed my arms and say, "Man, your arms are massive." The reality is, they were puny. He said, man, your arms are massive. And he used to call me his super boy. I was like, super boy. And uh, just kind of, I, I, used to, I used to actually think I was super boy. And I, I want to say, come on, encourage one another. You can't over-encourage. Some of you might say, oh, won't they develop a big head? Maybe. I might have. <laughs> but that's not the point. You don't need parents to knock that out of you. Life will do that. I tell you, 21 years of leading church, you get the stuff and knocked out of you. you. You do. You go through school. You get picked on. And every, every kid, if you haven't experienced this where you're not the favourite kid, you can go to school one day and you're the favourite. You go the next week and, and something's changed, particularly with girls. Like shifts. And the girl comes home, oh, no one's talking to me. Yeah. You know what? But I think you're awesome. You've got to encourage one another. You've got to speak over your kids. You're amazing. You're awesome. I love that our kids and anyone who stays and Scotty Thornton stayed with us just last week. Your kids have got a very healthy self-esteem. It's good theology. I don't want kids saying I'm nothing. I'm useless. They're not useless. They're not nothing. I, I will never say over you, and I don't want you to ever allow anyone to say this over you ever again, you poor old thing. Someone said that to me once I gave them the fright of their life. I said, I ain't poor, I ain't old, and I'm not a thing. So I don't know who you're talking to. Seriously, you've got to have that attitude. I'm Superboy, don't you know that? My arms are massive, don't you know that? And call me poor old thing. Come on. We've got to encourage one another. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. My wife is laughing hysterically. I don't even know what that's about. But I'm trying to do a job here. I'm going to soldier on because I'm amazing. This is, this is. 
Phil Pringle says this, measured praise is no praise at all. If you're gonna praise someone, if you're gonna, if you're going to, I'm just gonna keep going. If you're gonna say something nice over someone, leave the other stuff out. You know, I say, hey, Ducky, no, Maddie, you're amazing this morning. That's praise, yeah? What about if I say this uh, for a young girl? Changes everything. So don't kid yourself. Let's leave the young, measured praise is no praise at all. There might be some other realities. You know, and I think this is where parents, you know, particularly ones that are attending, uh, have young people that are attending our youth groups, be kind. We're gonna speak some incredible things. We know we don't live with them. We know we don't see every moment of every day. We know they can be little so-and-sos. We know that. We know that. We're not blind. But we have this short moment with them to encourage them and speak over their life and speak destiny into their life. We want to work with you. We're not neglecting. We're not, we're not, we're not blinded to the fact. But, but we realise these are young people that, that have stuff going on. Dave, uh, Dave what's your name? <laughs> Maddie, Matt. You're, when you play the guitar, you're amazing. Amazing, you're fantastic, you're awesome. For one of those heavy metal guys. See how it changes it? That's a compliment, see? He knows what I'm about. But can you see what I'm saying? Just, when Dad said to me I was Superboy, he didn't qualify it. He just said, I'm Superboy. He didn't say, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking figuratively and I don't really mean that, so I don't need you to fly out of a window. You know, like we can, we can explain everything away. It's like with a miracle, God does a miracle. I can't explain what God does. How did God do that? And why did He do it to that person, not that person? I don't know, that's what makes Him God. Hey, we've been leading church 21 years. There's lots I don't know about God. That's what makes Him God. If I can explain God away after 21 years, when I didn't even finish high school, it's not a very big God. Most of my answers are, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why is it that we had complications with our, our second child after we've served God you know, in ministry, da 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 and all this? Why? When there's other people who you know, weren't even trying to have kids and they had a one-night stand and they've got this healthy baby, but why? I don't know. People have asked me, I don't know. But I know I've got this opportunity to father this incredible kid. And I remember before Minchie was born, I remember saying, God, give me, I don't know, but I know you know. And there's a purpose in me. If this kid never speaks my name and if he never walks and I have to push him around in a wheelchair, there's a purpose in that. There's a purpose. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know, but I know there's a purpose. And I'm going to be the best wheelchair pusher I can. I'm going to be an incredible message of grace in this circumstance. I can't. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you want to ask me a question right now, I don't know. But God, why does He heal some people who don't go to church and others they die? I don't know. But I do know this, we have an incredible opportunity to show maturity and love on the community that lose people in a situation we don't understand. Maybe God in His wisdom is trying to do something in us that we just can't see at that moment. We just have to go with Him in the midst of the pain and the, the lack of understanding. That's where faith comes in. I don't know. That's why we need to encourage one another. And so we do it without the measurements. We just say, you're amazing. You're fantastic. It was awesome. That was good music. However, it's a little bit loud for me. No, no, stop it. Please stop it. It's just say, man, let's get this into our vocabulary. That was flipping fantastic. It's great. Because this I know, most people know when they hit a bum note. Most people know when they did the wrong thing. We don't have to point that. Most people know. And they'll correct themselves. So let's encourage one another. Uh, we've got to affirm one another. We see in Acts 27, Paul being affirmed by the angel. And then Paul affirming those on the boat. And this is what he says in verse 25. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as you told me. Got to affirm. Got to affirm. 
Affirmation lowers the casualty rate. Gives us the ability to stand. I thank God I got the opportunity to work with my dad and I saw him in his dark days, I saw him in his best days. But even on his dark days, he could balance everything with this comment. Hey, in light of eternity, Tony, what's it matter? When we've been there 10,000 years, what's it matter? These are light and momentary troubles. So don't give up. And then he used to say this, and I can't repeat it because there's a word in there which is not going to go well on the message. But he say, he'd look at me and say, Tony, don't let the so-and-sos grind you down. He'd use a colourful language. But he'd say, don't let people grind you down. I used, to, I used to be able to leave those moments saying, so it's all good. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. When our kids get wind of certain things happening in other families, I grab our kids and I say, hey, I want you to know. You don't have to worry about that. That's never going to happen here. Mum and dad are going to grow old together. We're going to be so wrinkly, you're not even going to recognize us. It's going to be awesome. We're not going anywhere. You don't ever have to worry about that. Number four, love one another. We just need to love one another. Let's not be like the man who got married, said, I do, said, I love you on his wedding day and never said it again because in his thinking, nothing else has changed. Now, we've got to be people who continually affirm one another with our love for one another. Honestly, there's not a day goes by where I don't look at Kath until I love her. We always go to bed holding hands. It doesn't last long, but we always go to bed. We don't wake up in the morning and those, you know, like. <laughs> but I always go to bed holding a hand, just affirming, loving her. Seriously. When's the last time you spoke to your husband or your wife or your kids? Had the privilege of marrying Matt and Laura. And such a privilege to be able to hug both of them after the service. I love you. You guys are awesome. Once you go away and have an incredible honeymoon, great time away, make an incredible life for yourself, love on one another all the days of your life. And I want you to know that Kath and I are in your corner, your number one fans. We're going to be there with you in sickness and in health. Not only have you got a wife, but we're going to be there with you. Love that. And I want you to know, every one of you, I love you guys. I love this church. I wouldn't be, honestly, we've been through too much to hang around if there wasn't the love. That this is the glue that keeps me in this role. There's too much pain. There's too much misunderstanding in the job without that love. I love you guys. I want you to know that you're amazing. And I want you to just love on someone today. Can we do that? Let's not just leave this service. Let's love on someone. Let's acknowledge someone. Let's encourage someone. Let's affirm someone. And number five, Let's forgive one another. Jesus hung upon the cross. He looked at those mocking him and said, Father, forgive them. See, Jesus didn't just give of his life. He gave much more than that. He gave forgiveness. He forgave. And for me, one of the biggest levelers to my worst day or worst opponent is this. That I've offended Jesus more than anyone's ever offended me. This is the leveler for me. This is the thing that gets me every time. You, you say, how do you, how do you stay in the role? How do you forgive? This is, this, is, this is my starting place. I offended Jesus more than anyone's offended me. Number one. That's my first thought. My second thought is he forgave me. He forgave me a bigger offence. So now it becomes easier. There's not one offence that ever, has ever been committed toward me where the gap is greater than the gap I created between me and God. And so as He first loved me and forgave me, I'm going to love and forgive. It's not easy. Dare I say it's impossible. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a death sentence over any couple walking down the aisle when they have that red over them thinking that their husbanding love or their wifing love is enough. It's not. No husband's love is patient enough, kind enough, forgiving enough, trusting enough. No husband's love never fails. We put that on them. The word there is agape. It means God's love. God's love is patient. Yours isn't. Mine ain't. I'm impatient. I want everything to happen 
yesterday. I'm, I'm a really impatient guy. If you know me, you know that. And here's a weird thing. There's this impatience in my life, and yet I've been able to lead a church for 21 years and see growth slowly and incrementally over years. It's disproportionate to my natural nature. So, so how do you do it, Tony? Easy. God's love is patience. I tell you, I wouldn't have hung around 21 days. I've got ADD. I've got ADHD. I've got OCD. I've got LMNOP. I've got everything. <laughs> and, and, and the testimony of my life is that I've got all that and I'm still here. It's not natural. It's, it's beyond my awesomeness. It was a joke. Laugh. <laughs> it's a supernatural love. And I say, God, I can't go on anymore. I'm not patient enough. I can't do this. But you are. I need your patience. Your love never fails. My love has failed ages ago. I'm done. But your love, and I want your love. So any couple that walks down an aisle thinking that they can be loving and I, seriously, no wonder the divorce rate is what it is. Because no one in this room's love is enough. But God. Don't you love God's butt? See, some of you have too small a butt. You need a bigger butt. Yours is but the weather, but my circumstance. You need a bigger butt. You need but God. I'm preaching another message now. I'm going to preach that. That's another message for another day, which will be even more awesome than this one. Let's stand. We're going to sing. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 